Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. This is episode 288 and we're continuing our series, Common Christian Problems. And as I've said, just about every episode in this series, all Christians have problems. And Today we're in the second part of dealing with unwanted thoughts and behaviors. And just a quickie review, I shared with you a fairly shocking statistic from the Center for Bible Engagement. And it asked, how often are Christian men tempted to do something wrong? And it came, the response was, they're tempted 94% of the days in each year, 340 two days a year. And then I shared with you, I I ended last episode with a rather shocking statistic, and I'll just basically put out a little bit of a caution. Uh, Some people want Catholic Radio to be kind of just Valium, to put you at ease, not challenge you. My goal is to challenge you so that you cannot be at ease, but be at peace with God, with yourself, with your spouse, and your family and in your world. And peace is a very precious treasure, but we all need challenges so our lives are continually transformed into the image of Christ. Now, here is the shock. The Barna Research Group found that Catholics were twice as likely as the general population to view internet pornography. And that was just a horrible statistic. In fact, I called Barna just to make sure I wasn't you know, didn't need a new pair of glasses or something. I, I It was kind of hard to believe. And it's been uh, an underreported statistic. And I shared with you a scripture from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. And if you want to basically get over unwanted problems, if you want to spiritually survive in the 21st century, and especially parents— If you want to raise kids so that when they're teens and young adults in the modern world, they don't give up, you need to understand the basic messages of Romans and Galatians. In fact, I've come to the conclusion, and this is just aside from today's broadcast, but I want to do a teaching series, maybe in uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians, so Catholic parents really get this, because you need to not only get it and hear it once, it has to be drilled into you and reinforced because the default position is the opposite of what should be done. And I shared with you that verse from Romans chapter 7 and verse 5. St. Paul says, while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions. And that's what Barna was reporting on. That's what the Center for Bible Engagement found out, that Christian men are tempted 342 days a year. While we are in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. And whenever you have law-keeping, rule-keeping, a to-do list to measure uh, your relationship with God and how much God loves you, well, then you've fallen into law-keeping. And St. Paul says sinful passions are aroused by law. 
and I shared with you, kind of warned you, this is going to be a challenging broadcast, many chastity programs are law-keeping. Do this, don't do that, and if it's basically you have to do this in order to have a relationship with God, and don't get me wrong, we obey the Ten Commandments. This is coming down the pike here, but the law can arouse sinful passions. Here's a step further. A lot of times, people struggling internally try harder by some kind of super-duper spirituality, and there's so many varieties. I've seen dozens of varieties when I was a Protestant. I've seen dozens of varieties as a Catholic, and it kind of ramps up things that you do or don't do. And St. Paul, again, says in Colossians 2, starting in verse 20, why do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. He goes, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom. They look good, they sound good, and they may appear to do good. They may have an appearance of wisdom in promoting rigor of devotion and self-abasement and severity to the body, but they are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. Zero. And so by asking people to ramp it up, by having special programs to do more, and again, this is asking the person to find the resource within the self, within them, to do this stuff, you're actually making the situation worse And then they're going to say, and this is what I was referring to about young people just giving up because it has an appearance of wisdom. You try all this stuff and it doesn't help. It's of zero value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. That's our topic, dealing with unwanted thoughts and behaviors. So, well, I've tried Christianity. I tried real hard and it certainly doesn't work. Now, I urge you to listen to this quotation from Cardinal Christoph Schornborn, who worked with Pope Benedict in creating and writing the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And he wrote an invaluable little book, along with Cardinal Ratzinger, this is before he was Pope Benedict, entitled Introduction to the Catechism. And there's a couple of sections in there that are so important. And by the way, in my book, Grace and Justification, I quote these as well. But listen to him. This is, again, the editor of the Catechism when describing the Ten Commandments. Now, we do live a moral life as Catholics, no question, but this is what he says. Here, too, there must be no doubt about the primacy of grace. He insists that only when he recognizes the supernatural power that flows from being in Christ can the faithful disciple practice the Christian life in faithfulness to the Decalogue, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. Only when he recognizes the power that flows, not strives, but flows, an organic union with Christ, like the vine and the branches bearing fruit, John 15. But is the primacy of grace presented in such a way in the moral teaching of the Catholic Church? And I suggest to you, and I'm not trying to bash anybody, I'm trying to help people. This is a biggie. 
In too many instances, it is not. It's basically the rule is put forward. The rule is mentioned, but the primacy of grace, if it's there, it's often eclipsed. And I've shared this, and I've had a a priest particularly really encourage me with this. He really liked this, that if you have a moral teaching, okay, it's it's a cheeseburger, okay? You have moral teaching, and you're going to have a like a chastity seminar on a Saturday for teenagers, okay? And you're you're wanting to have the moral teaching. That's your cheese and burger, okay? But on top, you have grace. And so before you start talking about morality, you start talking about the love of God that comes to us by grace, not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done and how much he loves us, then you start talking about morality. And then when you get done talking about morality, you have your third talk of the day. First talk, grace. Second talk, whatever, your chastity talks and speakers. But the third talk, you don't let them go home until you remind them on how much God loves them and that it's because of our union with Christ and the power that comes from him that we're able to keep the Ten Commandments. Catholicism, keeping the Ten Commandments is a part of Catholicism, but it isn't a do-it-yourself moral effort. It's not naked willpower. It, it's one that depends so deeply on grace. This is straight out, this is our whole catechism, Cardinal Schornborn says, was arranged in such a way that the Ten Commandments come last after it describes everything, who God is and what he has done and how he conveys grace to us. And then you come to the Ten Commandments and then he says, but even there, you still have to remember the prior teaching on grace and God's teaching on justification, which leads me to Cardinal Shoreborn's second talk. Same thing, talking about the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Without the preceding teaching of the sacraments, which also implies the teaching about justification, and I'm going to talk about justification in case you're a little uncertain about this, the precepts of the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, the moral life, chastity education, seem to exceed our human capacity. This is where thousands are giving up because the preceding teaching about the sacraments and justification by grace, if that's not emphasized and you only mention the moral to-do list and then the person through willpower or self-abasement or like Colossians said, don't handle, don't touch, a rigor, uh, severity to the body, whatever you're doing, and it, and it, it has no power no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. Again, that was Colossians 2 and verse 23. See, it's it's this strange thing that happens when you have morality, law-keeping, without grace. Again, from Romans chapter 7, verse 19. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand, but I delight in the law of God in my inmost self. 
And uh, St. Paul gets done with Romans chapter 7 and says, who will deliver me? You have chapter 8. And he starts talking about the power of the Holy Spirit that's available to the Christians, you see. Now, again, I'm going to get some people a little upset at me. I'm challenging to try to help people because people are hurting. Uh, St. Paul said a little leaven in Galatians leavens the whole lump. In other words, a little law-keeping without grace colors your entire spiritual life and chokes off the grace of God and severs you from having the power of God to live a moral life in an increasing immoral world. This is not option. You know, in prior generations, the tide, the moral tide of society may have lifted you up. So if you're just kind of going with the flow, you might have been okay. But you can't go with the flow anymore. And you're going to say, well, I'm going to stand against this. Well, you can't. And you can stand in a while in an onrushing current in a stream or a river, but it's, it's amazing what a river can do to you, even if it's just about at your knees. If it's strong enough, it'll knock you right over and it's very difficult to recover. This is what's living in the 21st century, and you need something more than just your naked willpower. You need the grace of God. Now, here's something that Catholics have done, particularly if it became popular during the Black Death. And it kind of came to me, well, with the coronavirus, and I realize people are stressed and disoriented and very often discouraged. Uh, there are groups even today that recommend that it, uh, whipping yourself is a way to get rid of uh, unwanted thoughts and behaviors. That's what we're talking about today. And the flagellation was very popular during the Black Death, but I realize that some saints did it. Some spiritual groups do this today. And I'm just saying I couldn't disagree more because this is taking it to the extreme. Remember Colossians? These have an appearance of wisdom, promoting rigor of devotion and self-abasement and severity to the body, but they are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. Instead, listen to Isaiah 53 and verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. Not us. He. He was wounded. He was bruised for our iniquities. Not us. He. Upon him, not upon us, Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. This isn't a do-it-yourself effort. It was upon him the chastisement that made us whole, and with his stripes we are healed. We're not healed by our stripes. We're healed by his stripes. Now, this might sound so simple, and sometimes the simple things escape us. And I came to you in promising a special gold-plated book or a a premium CD set for $29.95. I have the key to everything, and it was just a whole bunch of stuff you had to do. But, but I just didn't mention a whole lot about the grace of God, and particularly I didn't say a whole lot about the key to the Christian life. 
is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's his wounds took care of our transgressions. His being bruised took care of our iniquities. His stripes we are healed. This is how Christianity works. When you say, well, that's Old Testament. Okay, well, here about, here's one from the first pope, 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we are healed. Do you get this? How do we live for righteousness? When I say the key is Jesus Christ, I really mean that. And again, going back to Cardinal Schornborn, there has to be this self-conscious realization that in union with Christ, his power is going to flow through us. You know, Martin Luther, uh, before he you know, broke with the Catholic Church, regularly practiced whipping himself. Self-flagellation as a, as a means to take care of his flesh, and it didn't work, and he didn't become righteous, so he had to change the whole nature of justification. But um, I tell you, this is taking an exit from Christianity's emphasis on the grace of Jesus. This is from the Catechism, and it's, to me, a section number that I think it's worth memorizing. It's section 1996, and if you can remember something that happened in 1996, just remember this, because our justification, and justification is how do we become righteous, and the Catholic understanding of justification is how do we live that righteous life, because a lot of Catholicism in the contemporary world gets the first part right. It's by the grace of God we enter into a relationship with God. But where we go off the rails is thinking then we it's up to us to do the rest of it. No, our justification is our entire life with Christ. And 1996, Catechism 1996 says, our justification comes from the grace of God. Grace is favor, the free and undeserved help that God gives us to respond to his call and become the children of God, okay? And that's like in baptism. Some people don't like infant baptism, but infant baptism is a perfect picture of grace. Well, that baby can't do anything. That's exactly right. But God loves that baby and bestows on that baby the grace of the new covenant. But what about part B when they become teenagers? That's when catechism section 1989 comes in. Justification, and this is where Catholics separate from Protestants in the sense that justification covers the entire, the entire life of the Christian, but it's still by grace. It says justification is not only the remission of sins, but also the sanctification and the renewal of the interior man. You want your interior life renewed, it comes from the grace of God. Now, back to Cardinal Schornborn. He said, you have to remember justification, okay? Our justification is by the grace of God. Before you even get to the Ten Commandments, if that gets eclipsed, you're in trouble. You're basically making the Roman 7 boomerang. You're going to try harder, and you're going to have the passions aroused by the law, and it's going to become worse than if you never tried, 
okay? And then after justification by grace, he says, the sacraments. You have to remember the sacraments because the sacraments are channels of grace. They're the main channels of grace. I mean, this is, this is how the river of life invades this age and gives the strength of Christ. But again, I warned you that this broadcast would be a bit of a challenge. It is my experience that very often the sacraments are not presented as God's gracious gifts in today's Catholic Church, particularly the sacramental preparation. If you're preparing young people for a sacrament of grace, oh my, I'll remember all of the rest of my life. The first time I heard, I can't call it an invitation to sacramental preparation because it sounds an awful lot like boot camp. It literally did. Obligations, mandatory classes have to, you better do this. And I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I said, well, that's just an anomaly. That, that's this parish. And no, I've found even some of the better parishes really wanting the best. And don't get me wrong. I understand the pastoral motivation because you want people prepared. You just don't want them to blindly walk into a sacrament. But you know what? It's not working because even your invitation and your atmosphere in preparing for the sacraments better be filled with a gracious, grace-filled atmosphere and words, or else you're making uh, a law-keeping. This is something you have to do, a hurdle you have to jump over to be able to get this, and you have to earn it by doing this. And I'm not saying you ditch the mandatory, but put it in a small print. The big print is really how to have a relation with Christ. There is a uh, quotation I have from an evangelical scripture scholar on St. Paul, uh, Dr. F.F. F. Bruce. A lot of people today don't know about him, but um, when I first started following Christ, he was probably the world's premier English-speaking scripture scholar on St. Paul. And if you're wanting to talk about how to motivate people, please listen to this, because his book, Lifetime of Study on St. Paul, is entitled, Paul, Apostle of the Heart Set Free. Now, I've had the negative news, you know, about Romans 7, and, you know, basically how the human heart is enslaved, and with legalism, it just makes it worse, and Colossians, and even, you know, rigorous programs against the body and everything else are of no value whatsoever. The key is the heart set free, and this is what Dr. Bruce says. Love is a more potent incentive to doing the will of God than legal regulations and fear of judgment could ever be. Paul certainly knew the love of Christ to be the all-compelling power in life. Where love is the compelling power, there is no sense of strain or conflict or bondage in doing what is right. The man or woman who is compelled by Jesus' love and empowered by his Spirit does the will of God from the heart. That's the goal of your sacramental preparation. 
That's the goal of your catechesis. That's the goal of your parenting. And bringing yourself first, because believe me, I mean, you can have your head filled with all kinds of religious facts and knowledge and doctrines and apologetics, but your life needs to be filled with the love of God, and then you want to convey that. And once that touches the human heart, you don't have to start bringing down the hammer on people who say, well, how can I get more of this? And one of the things you want to do is share with them not just the sacraments, but the Word, the Scriptures. That same report of Barna that said that Catholics were twice as likely to view porn as the average American, he did a study on American Catholics. He found also that Catholics were half as likely to look forward to reading the Bible. They're 38% less likely than the average American to actually read the Bible. And so you have twice as likely to have the bad thoughts and the bad temptations and a lot less likely to read the scriptures. Again, St. Paul, this is the solution part of his book, Letter to the Romans, chapter 12, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You see, the default setting of human beings when it comes to religion, it's climbing the ladder by your willpower, by your own steam. It's up to me. Christianity says it's up to thee, and it's getting the focus off of me, making it theocentric rather than egocentric, and Scripture is the corrective for that. And I'll tell you another reason why you really need the Word. And, you know, I have to admit, (laughs) I kind of think I knew everything when I graduated from seminary. I'm almost choking saying this now, but, you know, you, you get your head filled with all kinds of things, doctrines and, you know, how to read even the Greek New Testament quickly and all this stuff. But, you know, it took me about a decade, as both as a youth pastor and a pastor, to come to the realization that the chief challenge, and this hasn't changed one bit as a Catholic, I say, the chief challenge to faith isn't that Jesus did miracles or Jesus walked on water or Jesus will come again. The chief obstacle to faith is believing that God can love me. With everything I've done, with everything I've thought, God knows me and really loves me. That's the ultimate test of faith. And the scripture will convey that and reinforce that. I don't know about you, but I need that reinforcement all the time so that I can live in grace and not try to take it upon myself as a do-it-yourself project to Christianity. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 288 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to learn more about Catholic family life.